The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to David Gibbons in Discussion and our guest today, John Corr, Master of Divinity, introducing the upcoming series, The Torah, and its vital significance in our lives today. Welcome to In Discussion, and uh, my guest today is John Corr. John is uh, joining me uh, to introduce himself uh, before we start a series on the Torah in the Bible. And uh, as you may be aware already, having listened to the last program uh, featuring the other part of the duo, C.L. Mitchell, uh, John and uh, C.L. Mitchell and myself are going to be academically exploring the Torah and uh, the scriptures of God and the, uh, the, the books of the Bible um, over coming months. And uh, John is going to be uh, helping uh, both C.L. Mitchell and myself to, to understand and put into context uh, the value of, of uh, the Torah and indeed the, the uh, rest of the books in the Bible and, and uh, use that so that we can understand where we are today. John, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. John, can you tell me a bit about your your background so that our listeners know um, who you are and what you're bringing to the table and, and, and in uh, particular try and just uh, um, uh, allow the listeners to know the, the differences between yourself and C.O. Mitchell and what br- both of you bring to the program? Well, um, oh wait, where do you begin? I mean, <laughs> it was a long question, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, um, a little bit about myself. Um, academically, um, received a Master's of Divinity uh, from uh, Phoenix Seminary a couple years back. I actually went to school with CL. I uh, have spent uh, uh, several years in ministry at our church, local church here in town, Phoenix. Um, I'm married, have wife, two kids, uh, beautiful children, and... Uh, have taught the scriptures uh, for a number of years. Uh, began teaching, oh, too many years ago, and have been a student of the Bible ever since. Um, constantly thinking and and relating how the scriptures relate to my life and to the life of others that I talk to. Um, have taught actually Old Testament courses uh, at a local college here in town, uh, and that actually helped me to learn. The scriptures better by having to teach it uh, and to apply it especially to college-age students. Um, currently I teach a, a Bible study at my church to uh, uh, a general population, mostly older uh, older uh, folks who, uh, who have been through the years of life and <laughs> um, are much older than me but also uh, very friendly and very wise. Um, and so I come, I come to the scripture and I come to the Torah with 
sort of uh, obviously with a, a Christian understanding with uh, a, a evangelical bent and um, and I'm looking for the same answers that people every day are looking for you know the answers uh, that I believe I found in the scripture and found in the Lord and I'm looking to see how I can communicate those to others as well because I know the world is uh, full of people who are suffering and hurting and and have questions that uh, that need to be answered and uh, and I think especially in today's world society um, there's a lot going on there's a lot of questions being asked and I think it's so interesting that uh, the scriptures provide answers and provide basis for what life should be like and how life can be lived well. Um, so, like, I, I don't know if that answers your questions entirely, but uh, well, it, uh, it answers <laughs> one of them. <laughs> but that's who I am, and I and I and I and I have a different uh, style than than our friend CL, um, and uh, which I, I'm glad we have different styles that we can um, come together with um, and uh, collaborate on and uh, finding answers and, and sharing those answers with people as well. Let's look at the world we live in today and for the benefit of our listeners, try and identify exactly what we're trying to accomplish, not only for ourselves here, but also for them. Uh, it, it is a question that I placed at C.L. Mitchell's door uh, in our program. Is it very difficult to be able to relate such a modern digital technologically advanced life that we have today uh, with the, the the guidelines that you have in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. How, how easy or how, how difficult it is, is it for you as a theologian to be able to refer people back to the, to, to, to the, to the Old Testament in particular uh, and uh, ensure that they understand that that maybe the ingredients of life could be very different now. Right. Nevertheless, uh, it's the same old, same old, and we we somehow we have to uh, find uh, that, that central core uh, message that we had in the Old Testament, and 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 really understand that we're just repeating it, but in a different fashion. Well. <clears throat> As as a Bible student, who who looks at the scriptures a lot and studies, we are in a world that is ancient. Uh, or I'm constantly looking at people that lived a long time ago, in different uh, countries and circumstances than I did. And the challenge, though, is to try to bridge that gap to modern day life. And I think the challenge to people that live today. Uh, is the distractions of life. Um, basically, nothing's really changed in the heart of man over time. We, we tend to think that we have improved and, and we have technologically and we've made advances in science and all sorts of you know, communication. Um, but as far as the heart of man, that really hasn't changed. That's the same, and so that's kind of what I look for. That's the I look for principles that uh, that speak to uh, the questions and needs that that people have had all these years. So, if I'm talking to somebody who is caught up in the digital age of internet and cell phones and you know computers and all this kind of thing, um, 
it, that can be distracting and that can maybe make somebody think that we have evolved to a certain point. But we still have conflict. We still have issues that we have to deal with at home or in our business, in society. We have still have laws that, that we write for certain reasons because, um, because of the fact that, that our hearts have not changed. Uh, we like to think that we're better, but uh, when I, my, I guess to answer your question, um, the challenge is for me is to somehow think, how do these circumstances that I read in the Bible, how do they fit the circumstances that people face today? Um, they didn't always face the same things that we face today. They didn't face um, the same questions, but is there something that's close to it? Is there a principle that is there that I can use to um, get through all the, the distraction of our of our age and get to the heart of the matter? People hurt back then, they hurt today. People struggle in their marriage back then, and they struggle in their marriage today. People want to raise good children, same today. Um, people fought back then. They still fight today, so there isn't a whole lot of, uh, of. But the thing is, is that the scriptures provide answers to those because um, we believe that obviously God wrote the scriptures. Uh, they provide answers that that work, and I think sometimes the challenge is is for us to to see what is the heart that's being addressed here. What is the heart matter? Uh, because when it's everything said and done. Everything is really, in one sense, about relationships and how relationships work. Uh, and the scriptures provide answer to that, and especially the relationship that man has with God. Uh, that's the biggest question because the biggest void in people's lives, and this begins from Genesis 3, which is the fall, and the entrance of sin, the, the biggest problem or void that people face is not having God in their life. And that is the beginning of... A huge amount of problems in people's lives. Anyway, that's. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that really answers your question. It, no, <laughs> it does. Uh, don't worry, I wasn't nodding <laughs> off. Okay. Um, that's interesting, uh, and I could, uh, and, and w- obviously today we need to be uh, uh, <coughs> focused on the mission of, of introducing yourself uh, to our audience. But also, we have a responsibility to ensure that they know what we're going to be um, accomplishing. You mentioned technology. You mentioned uh, uh, the the same paradigms uh, in uh, 2,000 years ago that that we have today, the the wars and the conflict. And uh, how do you feel about the... Uh, technology, though, how do you feel about science? If you you look back to Darwin and uh, his evolutionary theories, is there a sense of is there a parallel between the disturbances that that those theories raised and technology today and science today? Is is it possible that technology and science, in in any area, uh, is actually pulling people away from God? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think uh, science and technology are very powerful and useful, useful things um, that can, they can be used in both ways, whether to, for example, 
um, I think, I believe that God has gifted some people to become scientists, to discover those cures for treatment or those drugs for whatever diseases or discovering wonderful things that God has put into this earth and to put in the universe that man is able to discover those things. And God has put that in man to do that. And those things, the advances in medical technology that, that have prolonged people's lives are hugely beneficial. Uh, people that maybe normally would have died of certain diseases are able to take certain medications and become cured. At the same time, man has also used that intelligence to create things that are harmful to people. I was going to say, isn't that somewhat uh, converse? Isn't that somewhat opposite to what God had decided to do after Abraham? There there was Abraham who lived for hundreds of years, and God decided, well... Uh, basically the longer they're around the, it's quite possible the, the more harm that they can do so at that stage uh, we, we, you know, our lifespan was 100 years or 120 years right. uh, is technology uh, opposing God's will at this stage and trying to uh, allow us to, to live longer I don't think necessarily I, I don't think that's I mean, the end of the story is people are going to die whether I mean, if you're taking the, your uh, before the flood or before the uh, the entrance of Abraham, people lived supposedly for hundreds and hundreds of years, but they still died. <laughs> so, <laughs> whether you lived 900 years old or whether you lived to 120, the bottom line is is that is the death was there for them too. I don't know if God. I don't think God necessarily disagrees with or not does not want us to have the technology for us to have a. A better life. Uh, I don't think that's the issue. I think, um, I think it become. I think that kind of technology can become a distraction. Um, it, um, but I don't think it's. A, um, I don't think God has a, a opinion either way. I just know. I just think that the technology, as if with any any kind of um, ability that man has, can be used to either promote goodwill towards men or to promote evil towards men and that has been the history since the beginning of since the first sin that has been the, the choices has been there you see this parallel in the scriptures between the the people who are godly who want to uh, live for God and love their neighbor as themselves versus those who live for themselves and will do whatever they, they want to get what they want done you know um, so I don't know if technology, but I think it can become, in one sense, it can become a, uh, a distraction from true faith in God, uh, because if if we're um, um, making these thing these cures for cancer or whatever, you know, making us live longer, people be- can begin to think that well, we have the answers and we can uh, we can live forever. No, actually. At some point, it's going to end because God, life is limited. You know, we can extend our life, extend the quality of life, and that I think that's a good thing. But we should never fool ourselves to think that we can escape death. I think that's one of the message of Scripture is that uh, death is is certain for all people, and so and that man is an eternal being in the sense that after death there is 
life after death, whether that is life with God in heaven or life in hell, separated from God. And so the, the biggest question I think God wants people to address is, are we preparing for what happens after we take our last breath? The story of the Bible is the story of redemption. That's the, the biggest question it answers because of the fact that God so wants people to be with him eternally. And so I think that's – so I don't know. That. <laughs> what about today, though? Uh, let's, yeah. let's take modern times. Uh, we, we saw uh, the flood. Uh, we saw that God decided uh, enough of this. Um, we have to clear the decks, and um, we have to uh, rebirth ourselves, as it were. In your mind, uh, given that, uh, certainly from my view- viewpoint, we are living in a very uh, emotional world. Mm. Um, is there, in your view, uh, s- something going on here bigger than even we understand uh, in today's society. How do you mean? As far as... Are we being taught a lesson? Where there's no doubt about it that uh, uh, we are economically uh, to a great degree in chaos. Not not only in this country, but, right. but uh, in the whole world. We are certainly uh, in an emotional chaos. Right. Uh, from from your point of view, is is there uh, any uh, parallels to be served here, to be learned from, uh, between uh, the, the between the flood and b- where we are today? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I think the scripture is is very clear that though we, even those who trust in the Lord, will never be immune from suffering. Um, the consequences of the fall or suffering, <clears throat> excuse me, um, problems of the world. There are certain principles that are laid out in Scripture that say, it's, <laughs> uh, whether it's regarding family or business, um, that if they are followed, um, provide a um, a better way of life. For example, the Scripture talks about how. Um, how a debtor is a slave to the lender. That if you uh, live in debt, you will become a slave to those who are borrowed from. Now look at today's society, look in our country today. The United States of America is a debtor nation. We are in huge debt to the Chinese and whoever else is buying our bonds. Uh, that's not good. And the consequences of that have a ripple effect within the rest of the economy. Um, that fits down even to a person, a, a couple who is in over their head in debt. Uh, they have X amount of mortgage and they have this car payment and they have all these kind of loans. And at some point, there there's a, there's a, a slavery that happens where uh, the never-ending cycle of having to be a slave to this debtor uh, that's something that the scripture teaches principles on those things too, how to not get into that and how to get out of it. And um, principles of uh, business or principles of family relationships we have in, for example, in Genesis 2, we have the perfect scenario of relationships within Genesis 2. But then beginning in Genesis 3, which is the fall, 
relationships are broken. And so the scripture teaches um, how relationships should be conducted and how they should not be conducted. And the consequences are what follow. And I think a lot of what we see in society today is biblical principles that are just not followed, and so the effects are, are natural. What what are, what are the reasons for that uh, in particular, though? I, I mean, we, before the program, we were talking about social media, uh, talking about Facebook and yeah. MySpace. Uh, goodness only knows I have friends with accounts with Facebook, and they'll have a thousand friends. They'll yeah. have some of them will have six thousand friends. Uh, the distractions, particularly for young people, uh, must be enormous. Right? Uh, how do you? break into a society now where those distractions, frankly, are so overwhelming. Uh, how, how do you break that, that mold? I think, I don't know if you can break that mold necessarily, but I think what you can do is try to reach or connect with the person where they're at. Um, because, uh, I mean, there's nothing we, I, we can't pass a law <laughs> that says... No, no more Facebook or whatever. But we can, for example, if we know that people are on, there are certain people who are online constantly and they spend all their time online and they don't even spend time with actual people in person. That's not good. Uh, but what we can do is use those avenues, those Facebook, the Twitters or whatever, to reach people and try to be, become, um, have a friendship with them, a dialogue with them, to connect with them because I think, for example, when the scripture talks about um, in Genesis 1 that it is, and Genesis 2 rather, that it is not good for man to be alone, there's a principle there. We are made, we are relational creatures. We are meant to be with people. But but isn't that now gone to the extreme? I mean, if, if you have a social yeah. media that is allowing all of us to contact people all over the world... How do you how do you maintain that? How, how do you have any sort of control over that as an individual? Uh, surely, we've gone from this great premise and importance of being able to be face to face and to be able to talk to going to completely the opposite spectrum. Right. Uh, how is that going to work? How are you ever going to pull that back? It's all very well. Uh, surely that that we can be uh, talking to people across the world, but frankly, do we? I, I always question whether we really know who they are. Right. Um, it, it, how how difficult is it going to become uh, to to uh, to focus people in on the right ethics, the right morals, uh, without being bombarded with so much information? through social media, which clearly is going to continue to, to, to expand, right. to, to grow. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that is the question and the challenge because w when you have so many people, when you have connections with people on the Internet or whatever, you can't expect to have a, a deep relationship with that person. It's, it turns into a very surface-level type relationship. Um, the challenge is there, though, is, is that... Can I develop, can I somehow speak to one person or a handful of people in a deep level to connect with them, to, uh, to help them out? Um, I don't expect, um, 
I mean, that's a challenge. I don't, I don't think that uh, it is possible for us to, um, to connect with so many people out in the world. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's a challenge. I guess the, the, what I'm thinking of is, is that in one sense, God meets people where they're at. And so as, as, a, as an ambassador of God, I can try to meet somebody where they're at but I, I, I can't possibly meet everybody where they're at. I can meet maybe one person or another person and try to bring Jesus to them um, in a real way. Uh, but the challenge is there because the distractions are there, because that's one of the things that I think the, that, uh, that the devil has, has, has uh, great pleasure in, is he, if he can p- get people thinking about anything else but God, he's, he's doing his job. And that's the, that is the dilemma today surely that uh, we can be attending church we can be shepherded uh, by a man uh, such as C.L. Mitchell or yourself but it it appears to me that the pressures are so much now that uh, whatever age you can literally walk out of that church door and be pulled away so very easily so with this program uh, for example how do you want to make this program successful for people wherever they are in the world to be able to come back to this, to be able to count on this? What is the method in that? Well, if I understand what you're asking, I mean, as far as the goal or what we're trying to accomplish in this, um, I think primarily, and this touches upon what we've just been talking about, the main goal is to have people in some way intersect their lives with the life of Jesus um, because that is that's the ultimate relationship that that one needs to have. That is the biggest void in people's hearts today. So much so that that they are looking for way of meaning and fulfillment and purpose in life in so many different w- ways, but they always fall short. There's always the next thing, and that doesn't fulfill. There's always the next thing, and it isn't until. But if if our goal if our if we are able to bring people, in one sense, to obviously understand the scriptures better, and see how it relates to our life, but ultimately to bring us to the Lord in a in a in a meaningful relationship with uh, that people can have with the Lord, that's the ultimate goal because that takes people back to the garden of fellowship with God, and and no matter what trials or circumstances people face. If they have that relationship with, with the Lord intact, um, God is able to bring them through in a meaningful way, in a powerful way. With that said, uh, we will have, I certainly hope, listeners uh, all over the world who will uh, come to count on this program. Once, they, uh, once the program is completed for the week and they've got another week to go, just as when we attend church and we walk out of that door and we we return back to the reality of modern day life what is it what is it in between those periods that 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 we need to do as human beings today to to keep uh intact to 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 remain uh uh christ like to to make sure that that this book is becomes a solid part of our life every second of the day well, that's that's the challenge of whether you are a person who attends church on a Sunday and walks out, and, and Monday morning comes and life happens, 
the challenge or that the the goal or the challenge is that that though we walk out of church maybe by ourselves or with our family, God is still with us, and that what we we are, we are learning uh, on whatever day you listen to this or whatever day you attend your your church or. Uh, is that this is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment walk with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And the challenge is to maintain, is to have is to have people recognize that that relationship is still there and growing. And it's not just hearing somebody talk and say their spiel and go on and say thank you very much, but it is a living, dynamic thing. Jesus likens it to a vine and a branch. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the branch is dependent on the vine for its very life. Um, if we can somehow challenge or convince or persuade people to recognize that this is not just a something, a to-do list, but it's actual... But, but, but you say convince or challenge people. Is, is that the right way to go about That's this? That's why I'm I mean, trying to think of a better word. Surely, surely yeah. uh, God is going to come to people uh, in a divine fashion. It, 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 surely it doesn't take somebody else to persuade them uh, in, well, in finding God. Well, I, I think in, in some ways it's, it's not necessarily finding God. It's, it's those who know God but don't take the time to walk with him or to have meaningful fellowship with him maybe uh, the challenge is there in the sense that there's that there are those distractions in the world that can that take ours our eyes off the Lord in so many ways and lead us in uh, different directions so much so that we find ourselves at one point we may wake up and find ourselves in our lives in a place that we never intended to be and we look and say well, how did I get here you know, well, where am I at? Um, that is sort of the challenge because, because as as the scripture likens us to sheep, uh, there we are constantly being distracted in some sense. So I guess that's the why I'm saying the challenge is, is to to keep us following after the the Lord and, you know, our listeners obviously realize at this stage that we are. Uh, broadcasting from the United States and I want to go back to a point that you had made we are living in a democracy uh, and this this is a very generalized statement and I, I don't mean it to come over as being an aggressive statement but you had indicated that uh, many people in society now are in debt yeah. to lenders um, that really in many ways typifies the economic system here right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's two things around that. Number one is uh, America has always been uh, known as the land of freedom um, and of enterprise. Uh, you know, how, 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 do you, how, how do you see that? How do you see that unraveling? Because... Uh, people's uh, greatest issues today in our society, uh, frankly, is that the 1%, 1% of, of the population is making an awful lot of money in Wall Street uh, and, and uh, the, the rest are really becoming, becoming the, the, the borrowers. Right. And that is very generalized, and I don't, I'm not trying to overemphasize that, but it does have merit in many ways. 
And that has to be one of the greatest uh, stresses on, on, on people right now who are losing houses, uh, losing cars, losing everything. Um, is that not yet another strain that, that can pull them away from uh, finding God, uh, pull them away from investing their lives in the Scriptures? Oh, well, that's a, that's a good question because, um, you know, what, 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 what's interesting is, is that, uh, yeah, as, as a country, we are, obviously, I said, a, a debtor nation, but we as a people in this country are so used to credit, borrowing, and debt that our, very, like you said, our very economy is built on, on, on credit and, and on borrowing and debt. Um, it's almost as if we were addicted to that. And I think we're also, as Americans, are addicted to a certain lifestyle and standard of living. And especially in our country, uh, we are very individualistic and materialistic. And I think in one sense, it is a good thing that people go through this kind of challenges because maybe it helps people to reassess uh, the fulfillment or the meaningfulness of having the X number of material possessions and maybe to help realize that those things in the end did not um, give a good return, so to speak. Um, I think perhaps it is it is a, during times of trials and struggle that that um, that people maybe are 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 made um, vulnerable to perhaps uh, think about what life is really about. For example, um, I know of a family that uh, that is very well, very successful and well off. And for every every you know Christmas, they always give gifts to another. Until one Christmas, they decided, you know, we have everything we need. We have more than we need. <laughs> if if we need something, we've already bought it, so don't give us any more gifts. They would not exchange gifts. In fact, what they did is they decided to um, give a gift to a, uh, somebody in need in behalf of that person, uh, whether it was a child or a family, um, so that rather ex- giving a person, their, their family member, a, a gift, they would give them a card that showed we have given X amount of dollars to this poor family somewhere, and that was more meaningful to them because it helped them to realize that life isn't about having the material things, uh, that, that, um, that life is, is, has, a, has a deeper meaning that, and those material things won't fulfill. So I think in one sense, yes, um, we, you know, in our country, we are, people are struggling. The economy is struggling. But maybe it's maybe it is time and maybe it's an opportunity for us to reevaluate and what that, that's about and that's why i i would return to that original question that i had thrown at you are we looking at a rebirth in this world not just america are we looking at a rebirth in this whole world um because it might be necessary oh it's necessary i don't know um i think though we the the opportunity for uh, rebirth or revival or whatever we want to call it is there. Uh, when people come to the end of themselves, the end of their um, their way of doing things, 
that it hasn't worked, maybe they're open to uh, to turn. So I think the opportunity is tremendously there. Um, but whether we were at the beginning of it, I don't know. Um, I hope, I hope uh, people will take opportunities to to turn to God during these times. Yeah. You obviously you're you're a, a proud American. <laughs> <laughs> and. And I'm obviously an Englishman who who uh, saw an economic meltdown, frankly, uh, beginning in the UK back in the in the 80s. In the United States now, we have God literally taken out of the Constitution. Uh, we 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 face that dilemma. Uh, look at Italy. Uh, Italy has just been. Uh, uh, forced to take all crucifixes uh, out of educational establishments. How is that going to be a, a battle? Um, that that can only can only hurt. Uh, you know, is is it the United States that really needs to 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 uh, you know hold that standard firmly um, and push forward uh, with broadcasting that God is in our lives and should always be in our lives and yet there's such a, uh, a strange dichotomy in all of this given the situation that we're in um, how is it again returning back to to the mission of this program how is it how important is it uh, for anybody throughout the world to 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 understand what we're trying to accomplish here well and you brought up you know the 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 thing of Italy, which is obviously it's amazing. <laughs> you have the, the the home of Catholicism. You know, huge um, population of that's obviously Catholic, and and uh, having to, in one sense, take God out of their schools or whatever their crucifix. It's amazing that you know. Um, I think, in one sense, we will try to to show how the scriptures are very clear. Um, that the presence of God in one's life um, is better <laughs> than not having him in your life. Um, even in the book of Genesis, I'm thinking of, you know, obviously in Genesis 3 is what is we call the fall. Adam and Eve sinned. They were given a choice, and everybody in this world has a choice to follow God or not to follow God. And what follows after that fall from chapters 4 to chapters 11 are really the consequences. Sin goes from bad to worse. Life becomes very difficult. Um, people become much more selfish and evil thinking and whatnot. So so in other words, you can actually equate that period oh, yeah. to, to where we are <laughs> now, more, it, perhaps more than any other period? I think it's interesting. Um, I think it fits. I think what's interesting is Jesus had talked about that that when he comes back, it'll be just like it was in the days of Noah. That people um, were busy going about their business, thinking about themselves. Uh, and in the days of Noah, people became, became uh, their thoughts were on evil continually, it said. But, but the principles are still there, that the, that the evidence that God was not in their lives was what was going on in their economy, what was going on in their relationships. It was a mess like it is today. And those who do have God in our lives, though they're not immune from the effects of other people's lives, 
there is a difference, and I think that's one of the God is the, if you will, the, the key ingredient to all of life. You you cannot have a um, a um, life life is more meaningful. My my life has purpose. Life has um, uh, is better with God in the picture than with Him out of the picture. And what we have seen, especially in the United States, where God has been literally thrown out, um, the effects of it, the consequences of that. If you deprive a person of oxygen, the consequences are are evident. They're going to suffocate. And what we're seeing in this world are really uh, the consequences of depriving people of God. Um, and I don't think, especially in this country, I don't think the founding fathers intended for God to be out of the picture. They, the way they lived their lives, the way they uh, conducted prayers and whatnot in Congress, their lives were centered around God. The, the first textbooks in the schools were the Bible. What has happened? What has happened in the last forty years or so is things have become twisted so that. We don't have freedom of religion. We are we are now having freedom from religion, and that was never the intention, because at least in our in our country in the United States, the people, the founding fathers drafted the Constitution based on biblical principles. My you know freedom especially um, that gets into something else. But I was going to ask, yeah. how, do you, how do you think they would feel now if they? I think if they, they would they, horrified. They, Sorry, if they saw the country as it, as it was. I think they would be horrified. They would not recognize um, our country. I, that's in my opinion because um, what's amazing, excuse me, to me is that they understood that it was God who 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 helped birth this nation, and that if nation if this nation was to be successful. Uh, had to conduct itself according to biblical principles. I think they would. I mean, they would be horrified. It would, it would be completely opposite. I think until what they intended or hoped to see. And and I don't know. I'm not a American history buff, but uh, my understanding is is that uh, um, you know the um, having a country that denies God. That's the biggest mistake they would probably say. They, you cannot have a country. I mean, that uh, that. I'm just thinking of the image of, of in the Congress, in the House, in the I think it's in the House of Representatives or in the Senate. I think it's the House where above, the uh, the speakers, it says, "In God we trust." It says it in the, in in in. Um, I don't know if it's in stone or but it says it in, in words, but in actual deeds, it's not there, and the consequences are still are are what we're seeing. And I'm, I'm obviously the challenge of this program is to to develop that and to show how um, really how God is the necessary ingredient of life. Without God, you don't have life. Without God, there's there's existence, but there isn't. Uh, we don't we don't uh, we we uh, without the Lord uh, in a person's life a person does not live up to the potential to what God made him to be God made us all to reflect who he is to reflect his image um, and we fall way short of 
you know, of what uh, God designed us to be. Uh, I guess there must be a huge problem here. I mean, if we're becoming such a selfish nation, both corporately and individually, uh, as the world appears to be, uh, it's, it is our mission, it is our passion to pull that back. Uh, what is your viewpoint on that as we move towards the end of the program? How do you see us ac accomplishing that beyond clearly following God's laws? Uh, how do you see it on a practical basis uh, here in the United States? What do we need to do? To change that? To Yes, yes. Oh, boy. Um, again, another good question. Well, and, <laughs> and what I'm trying to do is, is so that our listeners know, realize what the, the, the uh, goal is of, uh, of our programs in the future. <coughs> I want to make sure as the, the, the person that, that, that resides between yourself and C.L. Mitchell, that right. I'm asking the questions that the listeners would typically ask. Right. And, 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 and that is, yes, uh, we want to be uh, in God's world. We want to be able to follow his rules, follow his commandments, follow his truth. On the other side, they have realities of everyday life. Right. What are the, what are the practicalities of that? How do they need to be able to uh, follow God's law in his world and at the same time in the most incredibly difficult conditions that we are uh, fast approaching here that they have to do in everyday life in practical terms? You know, as as far as, um, and I hope I am understanding what you're asking. So, let me, um, how a person, in one sense, lives in this world, this fallen world, this 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 world that's really, you know, um, uh, on a bad course in a way. How a, a person who believes in Jesus. Um, can carry on you know jesus says that we are to be in the world but not of the world i think it starts with with maintaining that relationship that walk with with the lord because of the fact that we have so many distractions and because of the fact that that real life does happen um maintaining some sort of of relationship with the god of the lord of the universe I think secondly um understanding that 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 believers are we're not meant to be um we're meant to we're we're not meant to go out and hide somewhere and uh and gather around and and kind of be out of the way we're meant to be engaging in the world and making an impact in the world and whatever scale that is whether it's in a small setting or a large setting we are meant to be the difference in this world so that people can look at our lives and see there's something different about you. The difference obviously is the presence of God in that person's life and how a person can be used to change people's lives by the way that they treat people, the way they conduct their business to sort of be a light, you might say, um, the challenge, of course, is to to um, um, 
is to not be to, to not to get discouraged. That that can happen, and we're not meant to individually conquer the whole world, but we're meant to to be Jesus, so to speak, to people we meet, whoever we contact, and to, in one sense, ch- help to change their lives, help to enlighten their lives. I think it's interesting that Jesus gathered only 12 disciples. He focused on 12 men, and after he, and obviously Judas, you know, was, was betrayed him, but 11, 12 men that he left to then go and spread his word. And from those 11 men, and if you had the Apostle Paul, 12 men, from those 12 men, they brought down the Roman Empire. They began to change the world. Christianity spread, the gospel. The, the, and that's, it, it, is that it doesn't have to be a big, massive thing. It was one person at a time. And I think that's doable. Well, that poses the question, doesn't it? Then what is the capability of the social media? Uh, how, how can that, in a modern-day setting, repeat uh, repeat that performance of 2,000 years ago? Yeah. I mean, it, does it have the capability to do that? Or should people... <coughs> I guess I'm, I'm asking your, your opinion. Should people rely upon social media today to accomplish the same thing, or should they be wary of social media? I think social media has it has great potential um, to connect with people that for whatever reason don't interact with people on a normal personal level for whatever reason whether you know it has great potential but it can in some sense have um, it's a, it's a tool I like into it's a tool that can be used for good or for bad um, for example, if you have Facebook, <laughs> which I have Facebook, and I have, you know, hundred friends, you know, and in fact, that in fact, you're, you're very brave for admitting. I'm, I I admit, and I have <laughs> I have a hundred some odd friends, you know, and that's not for some people I know who have hundreds of friends. That's not a lot. In fact, I was telling this to my wife the other day, and she's um, she has more friends on Facebook than I do, and I. That's very. Sad, I could have it? more friends. I just decide. <laughs> <laughs> But I was talking to her the other day, and I said, I said, honey, I said, you know what I want to do one day? Because a lot of times, and when we say friends on Facebook, it's help, it's a loosely <laughs> term. Uh, people that you're allowing to see your information, your pictures or whatever, your videos. Um, but I said, you know, what I would like to do one time is to go every single one of my friends and at least to say hi on their wall or give them a message, an email, just to say hi. Because many times on my list of Facebook friends, I may focus on maybe just a handful of them. There's really probably just five people I focus on out of those hundreds. So in one sense, humanly, I can't focus on 100 people. Um, I, my wife can't focus on the whatever 300 people she has. Maybe it's 200, 300 people. I can focus on five. That's usually, usually five people I look at regularly to communicate. So humanly speaking... There's no way I can reach everybody. I can maybe try to reach out to some people that I don't normally say hi to. But I think as far as developing meaningful relationships, it can be done, you know, on a wide scale. It has to be done on a, on a smaller scale, on a deeper scale. It but, has but, 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 but therefore, this, but nevertheless, this, this program, uh, given that it's 
it's a live uh, conversation. Right. Uh, certainly would have a lot more value than somebody blogging onto Facebook and sending messages to each other. Oh, yeah, because, well, for, we're, there's real people. Um, we're talking, obviously, and we're talking amongst each other, and we're inviting our, our guests to to sit in the chair with us and to join our conversation and hopefully, um, hopefully learn and grow from what we talk about that um, – that you cannot get on, on an email or a I, I was and and that's why I'm asking that I'm not try, I'm not <laughs> you're setting me up <laughs> no I, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to have any sort of egotistical bent here about the value of the program I, I, the, I certainly hope the value of the program will be enormous in in, in the future I, th- I but I was going to mention that I can remember back in the 90s as soon as I started using email it's to me it's the worst form of communication I agree. especially with my terribly English anglo-saxon proper uh, vocabulary uh, at, at times people can get just offended right um, it, it seems to me that that if people can listen to people right. talking it's it's a lot better than uh, sharing instant messages well and and that's a good point because there's only so much you can communicate in your text message in your email what you can't communicate is facial expression which you can't obviously over the the sound waves but you can hear the notations of my voice you can hear you know you can you can pick up a lot more from how I'm saying things than if I send you a little message. Just just think when there's a video camera in the studio, <laughs> yeah. they'll video actually see you. Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> Wave to the camera. Um, so I, I I agree with that. That um, there is there is value to those things. Um, there's value to the texting and to the emails, but they're not the best form of communication. Um, obviously, we right now aren't face to face with our audience but i think they get a better they can get a better sense especially when we do have our dynamic conversations with the cl here um there's something there's there's a, an intangible that's picked up um and i think that's good because i think you know i don't think um we're meant to live in a way that we're not connected with people on a in a real in a real way, it's one thing, like I said, to email and text people constantly, but there's a deeper level of conversation that happens or, or uh, uh, friendship and relationship that happens personally by hearing somebody's voice, by seeing their face. Um, there's, there's a lot more that happens, and I think that's, um, that's needed, especially in today's world. You know, That's needed because so many people want to just go and disconnect and be on their own and hide out and 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 that's not good um because there's there's an element that we need one another uh there's an element of uh of of growth that happens just by being with other people well i certainly hope uh so much that the programs that we share together in the future uh with yourself and ceo mitchell will be of great benefit to our listeners around the world it has been uh, an enormous pleasure today, John, to, to have you on the, on the program, and and hopefully the listeners will will be able to uh, to gain some visibility of of uh, what you will bring in the future, um, and uh, certainly looking forward to uh, uh, to sharing that uh, 
that experience with you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. And to our listeners, uh, thank you also for being with us. I do hope that uh, you have enjoyed the show today. We'll back, be back with you uh, next uh, Friday. Uh, the three of us will be uh, sharing our experiences and beginning to uh, expound upon the uh, chapters of Genesis and the Torah. I certainly hope that you will be following us with that. And obviously, our guests will be uh, available to uh, respond to your comments uh, through our blog at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning. Good afternoon and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.